When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is day four of the Australian Open. Welcome to TC Live. Overcast conditions. Temperatures in Melbourne have often hit triple digits during this fortnight, but despite cooler conditions, the action continues to heat up. As we begin the second round, the shots are scorching and the emotions just boiling over. Here's what's coming up over the next two hours. As we lead you to first ball, the field has been cut in half, but plenty of star power remains. Both returning champs, plus Coco Goff, Yannick Sinner, Ben Shelton, and more. All the highlights from an exciting third day of action down under. Which top seeds rolled? Who had their hopes ruined with a couple next-gen stars showing out? And Coco Goff may still be a teenager, but her game is more mature than ever. John Wertheim explores the changing mindset of a newly minted major champion. And Aussie superstar Nick Kyrgios joins us from Melbourne. Find out why his new broadcast schedule may be even tougher than when he was on tour. Kings coming up later on the show. Our featured matches today as we begin round two. First up, inside Rod Laver Arena, Angebur against 16-year-old Mira Andrieva. Coco Goff in MCA playing fellow American Caroline Dalahide, as is Yannick Sinner. Arena Sabalenka and Novak Djokovic headline the night session in Laver. As is always the case, Coco Goff <laughs> in the gym. Of course she is. She's never left the gym. She only leaves the gym to play matches and then goes back to working out. Taking on Dalahide today. Hasn't lost a match all year because fitness is next level. And the quest for 25 continues for Novak Djokovic tonight. The 10-time AO champ hasn't lost a match in Melbourne since 2018. Look at that, 408 weeks at world number one. Only one better uh, over there. Yep. Welcome into the studio. <laughs> We've got the GOAT herself, Martina Navratilova, Steve Weissman, Hall of Famer, Lindsay Davenport, John Wertheim. Gang's all here as we get set for round two. Uh, just talking about, we see Coco Goff in the gym all the time, Martina. How often are, are you in the gym during a, a two-week slam? Well, the players are there a lot more than I used to be, and I was pretty much a gym rat, but I think Coco is a definitely a closet gym rat because every time we see her, she is in the gym. Before the workout, <laughs> after the workout, warming down, warming up, amazing. Uh, the, kid, the kids got it. Uh, so, yeah, I, the, the players are there a lot more maybe than they need to be, but they need to be in great shape these days, that's for sure. And on a day like today, with a little rain outside, what better place to be, Lynn? Yeah, it, you know, the other thing is it really gives a glimpse into her professionalism mm. still being a teenager. This is not new for her either. This has been years in the making, and tough to find 15, 16, 17-year-olds that are that committed to being doing their job 100% like an adult. If only the media could do that, right? They're just in the food line the yeah, whole time. I don't see a lot of, uh, not a lot of treadmill. I wonder how, how much of this, too, is psychological, that you just, you, you get away from it, you focus. These are not hard workouts, but I wonder if there isn't something centering about, you know, mm-hmm. you get on that treadmill, you're alone with your thoughts, you don't have to schmooze. Probably put the music on and just exactly. tune out, and she's there just with her thoughts thinking about the match. I imagine it's probably pretty safe space for her. Absolutely. Locked into what she needs exactly. to focus on. All right, let's get you to the headlines of what's going on down under. 
On the men's side, only two seeds have lost, the highest one being Nicholas Jari. On the women's side, one top 10 seed is out. That is the Wimbledon champ, Marketa Vondrosova. How about the American seeds? A perfect 8-0 in the first round. Love to see that. And as we mentioned earlier, Novak Djokovic still looking for that 25th career major second round matchup coming up later today. Martina, biggest thing on your mind as we enter today's action. Yeah, after three days, the first round is finished. And, you know, we like to see upsets at the same time. We want to see the top players later in the tournament. And we have all the big guns still there. So this is going to be a cracking second week at the Australian Open. Everybody's healthy and playing well. It's great to see that. Cracking. Martina, again, the Aussie lingo in there. Lindsay, what's on your mind? <laughs> yeah, I found yesterday uh, just one snippet that I found so funny. Trying to watch the tennis on TV, on my phone, on an iPad, uh, was Jack Draper, the Brit who's so good, the young Brit, struggling in a fist set. And Steve Pates, one of the best shots on match point. He was so thrilled to get through. We thought he was cramping early in this set. Gets through, and he realizes, wait, I'm not feeling so good here. Hustles the handshake. Rarely seen. Come on, Giron, get up here. I need to shake your hand because he runs to vomit. He was feeling it right at the end. And it just goes to show what all these players are going through. Start the year with a major. It hasn't been that hot, but three out of five sets. And he was feeling it at the end. I want to shake your hand, mate, but I want to get to the bin. That's what he said. Not, how's that for a tennis quote? Uh, Lindsay was saying, you, you've heard of boot and rally. This is yeah. the other way around. This is rally and boot. But uh, <laughs> someone in Melbourne pointed me out to this. So take a look at what Jack Draper said after the match. And it was really instructive. He basically said, majors are different beasts. And I don't sleep as well during majors. I feel the heat differently. So some of this is, you can talk about you know, conditioning and long matches. But I think we forget sometimes. Players prioritize these majors much the same way fans do, and Jack Draper had some really interesting things to say about that. Hmm. There have been some famous instances on a tennis court of, of folks throwing up before. I saw Pete oh. Sampras did it, Angebert did yeah. it at Wimbledon. Oh, and interesting for different reasons. Sampras yeah. was exhausted against Korecha at the U.S. Open. It was deep in the fifth set. Jabur has a history of vomiting because of nerves, mm. and it'll happen early in matches, and she'll just kind of excuse herself. So I think there's all different types yesterday. What are you are we, looking are we, at funny? What is, what is that vomit segment in the rundown? <laughs> I, I didn't realize we were... Uh... Come on, Martina, back me yeah. up here. <laughs> Enough vomit talk, please. <laughs> okay. She speaks, we listen. But there is... No, no, no buts. Move no. on. Move along. All right. Rof Nadal, not in action in Melbourne, but still making Making news on the program. He's in our A block. Why? Well, because the 22-time major champ has been named an ambassador for the Saudi Tennis Federation. That means Nadal will spend time in Saudi Arabia helping to grow interest in tennis and train children. Nadal said he wants to help the sport grow across the world. And in Saudi, there is real potential. Martina, what's your reaction to this? Well, my reaction to Saudi Arabia is that I need to see more changes before I'm willing to go out there and support the regime because uh, right now it's still difficult for women. Women are second-class citizens there. They really have no rights. There's no guys defecting from Saudi Arabia. There's plenty of women trying to leave. So that tells you everything you need to know. But, you know, I guess Rafa spreads a good cheer. So it's it's hard to uh, get upset with him. But, uh, yeah, I, I wish I wish this was not happening, quite frankly. John, you've done extensive reporting for 60 Minutes at a wonderful story on Saudi Arabia and how they're putting a ton of money into sports overall. What did you learn when you were doing that? Yeah, they have set their, their sights on tennis. That, uh, the gentleman with Nadal was Turkey El Saud, who is the sports minister, a very powerful figure. And Saudi Arabia has been very upfront. We want to diversify our economy. 
we want to embrace sports. Obviously, this is part of a, a rebrand. I'm a bit surprised about Nadal, frankly, as, as Martina is as well. And, you know, I, I think part of this is how this is going to deploy, right? I mean, the, the Live Golf Tour was not a success for any of the parties involved. Saudi Arabia is very interested in getting involved in tennis. I think the questions are going to be how. Martina raises an interesting point. I mean, there's still a very troubling human rights record. There's also a lot of money, and we know uh, money is a pretty good track record. Um, so getting the doll, you know, 37 years old, I don't know, will he ever play there? Perhaps not, but it's a heck of a press release. And if we talk about normalization, this is uh, another domino, so to speak. There's been a ton of talk, Lindsay, about the WTA finals going to Saudi Arabia. They talked about it last year. Didn't happen. Maybe this year. What's your position on that? Yeah, I'm not a positive one. You know, there's a lot of talk that maybe it's already a done deal. I don't know if that's the case or not. I really hope it's not. I really hope that um, it's put in a country that celebrates women and it's not illegal to be a homosexual. It is not against... The, you, you can drive a car if you're a woman. You have the same rights as everyone else. So I'm not a fan if the WTA decides to go there. I'm obviously well aware of what's going on and how they're getting into sports, but to have the crown jewel of the WTA that celebrates the absolute best of the best be put there, I just don't see it being a good fit. Yeah, I think I think there needs to be more discussion about it before we go there. I know they're about to vote on it. Uh, the deal's in the making for the WTA finals, and I'm just vehemently against it. Unless until I see more changes in Saudi, let let's see the changes first, then we go there. Absolutely, but women need to have better rights than they have. Homosexuality punishable by death. It's just not some place where I would feel safe as a woman, as a gay woman. And quite frankly, we, I don't think we should be supporting that until those changes are made first. Mm -hmm. mm. I think it's a really important point. I mean, part of this is like, do you take the money or do you not? It's more nuanced than that. And what Martina said is a really good point. Maybe you say, listen, we need to see X, Y, Z conditions met. And if they are, we will reconsider our stance. I think it's a lot more complicated than go, don't go, take the money, don't take the money. The WTA has some leverage here. Will they exercise it? Yep. A story that we exactly. will continue to follow throughout the year here on Tennis Channel and TC Live and Tennis.com. We are leading you up to live first ball action here on TC Live. Some players getting ready in the gym. Where's Coco? Wait, <laughs> where's, she leave the bike? <laughs> Barbora Krejcikova doing her exercises before she takes the court later today. Of course, we've got Jim Courier and Nick Kyrgios joining us from Melbourne later in the show. We are just getting started when we come back. We'll break down the biggest stories overnight, look ahead to today's action, see which young Americans are making a splash. It's all happening. TC Live at the Australian Open. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. By Tennis Express, we deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by National Car Rental. Go national, go like a pro. Steve, back with you. There is American Amanda Anasimova. Let's go, Amanda. Like, yeah. Come on. Big second-round match today against Nadia Podoroska. N nice little draw for me. Not wearing yeah. her own badge, though. No. <laughs> got to be in charge of your own credentials, Steve. Remember when Roger Federer? Totally. You, you know, yeah, that's doesn't right. matter. That's right. Like, you better She's have been your badge. off the tour for a little bit of time. She maybe forgot that part of it. 
Coach Big. Mark giving her a no, little yes. giggle. <laughs> Come on, Amanda, get your credentials. Who's Sarah? Yeah, put it around your neck. You got to be left. <laughs> you forgot? So Eight months away? So good. <laughs> PC Live coming your way every day, 5 o'clock Eastern. Brett Haber, Paul Anacone doing a great job with our encore coverage as well. It was just four years ago that Sophia Kennan became a Grand Slam champion in Melbourne. Remember, she beat Coco Golf, Angebur, Ash Barty, and then Garbina Muguruza on the way to the title would reach four in the world that year. And the American trying to get back to that level, starting out with a tough draw facing the world number one, Iga Swiatek, who's still hoping to reach Kennan's level of success at this event, Martina. Yeah, this was a tough first round, obviously, for more for Kenin than Shviontek. And, and uh, uh, Kenin got off to a good start. She was up a break, then she lost it. Uh, Shviontek got back to 3-all, 4-all. And then Kenin breaks again to go up 5-4. Third score the set. Did not play a bad game, just maybe a little bit too careful. Uh, Iga hit a couple of winners, and, uh, and then Kenin kind of bailed on that drop shot. And uh, they go into the tie break. With Shiontek had again played a good tiebreak. I think he had three or four winners. Uh, Kenin just not making enough good shots. Meantime, Iga ends up the match at 30 winners and 21 of four stone. This slow court against such a good hitter as Kenin, that's something to be proud of. Also, was at the net nine times during the match, which is more than usual. So I think she's trying to be more aggressive. And it paid off nicely for her at the end, kind of a straightforward, straight set win. But it was close in that first set. It wasn't the easiest first round. Uh, she played really well, you know, and I tried to find my rhythm, especially in the first set, and I'm happy that at the end of the set I could win, you know, the most important points. And, yeah, as I said, it wasn't easy, and I'm happy that I'm through and I could play a little bit better in the second set. Good test for the world number yeah. one. What's your biggest takeaway from that? Yeah, we knew when we saw the draw that Iga had a much tougher road than sometimes you wanted a major or sometimes you are, are willing to deal with, but at other moments, it makes a top player really lock in early, and she was tested mightily in that first set. Loved the way she was able to raise the level of her game. She never played her best tennis down under, so I'm sure when the draw came out, she wasn't super stoked to see what her draw <laughs> looks like, um, but she was able to get better as that match went on. Kennan played high-level tennis. That's one of the best matches Kennan has played in a long time. Didn't wasn't able to win. She would have beaten a lot of players yesterday, so for Iga, I think a lot to be confident for and, and proud of. Still got a tough match in the next round, though. Yep. Ten seconds on Kennan. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. you know, she had a ranking that had swollen well into triple digits a year ago. For her to be in this position, she wasn't that far from being seeded. Plays a very nice first set in particular. If you're a top seed, both of you guys, you know this as former top seeds. Do, do you like a match like this, or would you just prefer 48 minutes of 6-1, 6-1? No, you want a, you want a good match. You want you want to be pushed. You don't want to have a close match because you played lousy. You want to have a close match because your opponent's really good, and that's exactly what Iga got. So it's perfect preparation. I think that's the difference between like great and okay. One year I got dockage in the first round, and she was like ranked 17. The only seed at 16. I think I cried for like two days. I didn't want to go out there. But you won the match. I did, but I didn't. Wasn't happy about that. Exactly. Like that wasn't like, oh yeah, this is gonna get my tournament going. I was like, oh my god, how does this happen? So Martina would have been like, but yes. You won. I'm like, oh god. <laughs>
you little taste insight. It. No, you, want, you happy after the match. I want to be happy to see the draw, but then after the match, you're like, good, fantastic. But I'm not sure I'll be crying ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. I she won 18 singles either, titles. But you felt better about yourself after, right? You're like, wow, well, I got yeah, that. Right. Maybe. You're like, I forgot about that. Oh. You just remember the tears. For <laughs> not being happy. Good 17 insight. straight wins now for Iga Shvianti. Yeah. Longest streak since she won. 37 in a row. So we'll see if she yeah. continues this run here in Australia. Meantime, last year's finalist, Elena Rabakina Lindsay, won a title in Brisbane to start the year. Opens up, though. How about another blockbuster against the former world number one, Karolina Pliskova? How many crazy first-round matchups did we have? This was another one, and Pliskova was in control of this first set. She was up a break early, then up 6-3 in the breaker. By the way, double mini break. Mm -hmm. And it was Rabakina who really held strong in this match. She started to get her forehand better. That was a bit shaky in the beginning part of this match. She was trying to get used to the pace of Pliskova. But once she settled down and was able to get this first set, she started to get better control of that forehand-to-forehand exchange. It was all Rabakina and really relaxed in the second set. Played much better there. Ended up with eight more winners and four fewer unforced errors than Pliskova, who... You know, Rabakina plays similar style, but just a little bit more athletic and a little bit more on her game on this night. And last year's finalist able to get through. 26 winners in total for Rabakina. Six of those aces. Next up for her, Anna Blinkova. To the men we go. Carlitos Alcaraz playing his first match in Australia in 725 days, John. The only other time... He played this guy, Richard Gasquet. Carlitos won his first career title. Yeah. Now he's got a dozen. He was, he was 17 at the time. Uh, he also makes his debut for 2024, showing his right to bare arms. Uh, this was a very nice first set. Entertaining stuff. This may be the last time, uh, realistically, 37-year-old Gasquet makes an appearance in Melbourne. And for about an hour, this was a really fun match. 7-6, then Alcaraz went into domination mode, like, like Trump in Iowa domination mode, uh, barely gave his opponent a sniff, sort of put on the uh, the full Carlitos. Second and third sets actually lasted less time than the first. Listen to this, guys. 53 winners. Only nine of them came on aces as well. Nice all-around performance. So for one set, he had to work hard. And then for the next two, it was all Carlitos. Nice debut to the season for uh, the second season. How about this? Stays perfect in first-round matches at majors. He has never lost at something that... Uh, Roger and Novak didn't do. No, or Rafa went 34-0 to start his career, so he's got a few years to go to, to keep that. But but he's got Rafa's arms. I mean, we, we noticed the, the sleeveless outfit out there. Yeah. Check out behind the scenes. Carlos, who has his own uh, underwear deal as well, uh, like Francis Tiafo and, and Grigor Dimitrov. But uh, putting on the sleeveless shirt, Martina, flexing those guns. Yeah. Sun's out, guns out. You know, if you got it, flaunt it. But uh, his right arm is not that much bigger than his left arm. There is a very small difference. There is a difference, but it's not massive like it was with uh, with Rafa. But anyway, yeah, he what? looks. He, he carries. The, he carries that shirt. He carries it. Pulls <laughs> it off. <laughs> what, what, what stood out to you from his uh, first round performance? Listen, we talked about it with Sinner. We talked about it with Medvedev. You can't expect to be perfect. Your first match, first official match in five, six, whatever, however yeah. many weeks it's been. Didn't play a lead up tournament. So to get to a tie break, he was calm in the big moments. I think he knows. I mean, he's got such a great team around him to say, like, you'll you'll play your way into this match. You'll play your way into the tournament. He didn't panic when he wasn't playing his best in the beginning. He got better. And by the end, he finishes that match just ecstatic. And he knows he's still in the tournament, still has room to build.
Did you guys notice uh, here without Juan Carlos Ferrero, his coach who's right. having knee surgery, did, did you notice, and I didn't, uh, more or less looks to the box? And this is someone who reflexively looks for, uh, for approval after every shot. I'm yeah. not sure we saw that last night. Oh, look. It's gonna, this is going to help him in the long run anyways. So. But he's, nope. it, it's still a very close camp, and Juan Carlos is still very much right. a part of the picture of what's going on down there. But I think that they're also trying to teach him, play you can play. Yeah. Play yeah. on your own. Independence. Yeah. This, this is the guy who's no, right. been number one in the world. Martina, you're our resident professor here. What, what grade are you giving Carlos Alcaraz for this match? Yeah, maybe A minus, just because he wasn't perfect. The first set was a little dicey, but those next two were just walking the park. So yeah, I think he should be pretty happy. Not, nothing, nothing stressful. Yep. And um, won the tiebreak when he was under stress, and after that, easy peasy. So save the energy for later. Perfect. By the way, I do want to mention Richard Gasquet, his streak of 956 weeks inside the yeah, top 100 great. has come to an end. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Let me put that in perspective, Martina. A thousand weeks inside the top ten. <laughs> so, There's no record you don't find Martina's name on. Not top one hundred. Top I mean, ten. There were there were fifty two weeks in a year back then. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like twenty years. Twenty years That's inside crazy. the top ten. Like just, crazy. Yeah, we've been talking about guest It's a reason she's the ghost. All right, more to come here on TC Lab. Uh, the mystery of the day: Did Danielle Collins ever find her way to the court? What was she looking for? We've got all the answers coming up on TC Live. <laughs> Davenport and Averitalova, Wertheim and Weissman back with you leading up to first ball on this Tuesday in the States, Wednesday in Melbourne. If that's not confusing enough, it is easy to get lost in the hallways underneath these stadiums and look at Danielle Collins. We saw this yesterday. A speedy Collins, by the way, trying to find her way somewhere, Lindsay. It's confusing down there under Rod Laver and between Margaret Court. There's practice courts on both sides. I think she was trying to find the court. All of a sudden, nope, you're in the wrong way. <laughs> she did eventually find her way inside 1573 Arena to play former AO champ Angie Kerber. Winner, by the way, you teased it to face Igish Fiante. And this was another one of those matches, Steve, that we were looking forward to. And it was all Collins in the first set. But all of a sudden, in the second set, we saw glimpses of the old Kerber. She was using her forehand. She was dictating play. Not easy to do against the heaviness of the Collins shot. She was moving really well. A good sign for Kerber in the future. But interesting, early in the third set, Kerber won the first game, a really long game, and then something just clicked for Danielle, and she got back to playing the type of tennis we saw a couple of years ago that got her to the final of the Australian Open. She was crushing the ground strokes, hitting winner after winner. Kerber couldn't even react. The ball was coming at her so fast, and one of the best sets of tennis Danielle Collins has played in quite some time. This one should give her some confidence going in against Fiontech. Big win for the American. Delayed bagel to finish. 46 winners, just 13 for Kerber. Said, I was relentless about my strategy, even when it wasn't working. So, let's update the mum tracker. We started with eight mothers in the draw. Four up, four down, John. Also, can we, can we like, norm this for quality? There are, what, five former top five players in there? Uh, four and four is a, a good record. Keep an eye on that second line. Um, are we talking about former champion Wozniacki enough? Where's our dad's list? Yeah, That's exactly. right. That's a good We're point, gonna, though. We seriously. need to bring that up. And by the way, we Bed still need down. the uh, best to not win a major women's side. Yeah, we've, well, right. Steve, we got like 11, yeah. 11 we got more time. days. We have 11 more yeah. days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We've got to pace ourselves. Here. I know we have someone we can talk to about that. 
Okay. Yep. You, we got a guy. Yep. Uh, Martina, Danielle Collins, 16 and 5 at the Australian Open, far and away her best major, more than double wins there than any other Grand Slam, uh, a final, a semifinal. Why is she so good at the year's first major? Well, usually this court is faster, so her big shots pay off, and her maybe lack of mobility are not uh, are not, not not as much of an issue as on a slower court. But this court is playing slower, so she just must like it down there. You know, great weather, great food, great fans, and they liked her feistiness. So she just gets up, maybe emotionally, she gets up for it with no pressure, and uh, and the court's been playing to her to her strengths uh, overall. Well, looking forward to that matchup against Iga Sviantec. It was a couple of years ago. Danielle beat her in the semifinals on the way to the final, but two of the last three times they've played, she's only won one game in those matches, so we shall see. Meantime, it was a great day for Jesse Pagula. Even before she took the court, Buffalo Bills won their playoff game, and then she was able to watch that and play Rebecca Marino. Martina. Yeah, the Bills won pretty easily, and so did uh, Jess Pagula. Marino, 12 winners, 30 unforced errors. But you have to give credit to Jessica Pegula, who runs a lot of balls down, doesn't give you an easy ball to hit, and makes you run as well. So Pegula just not making Marino look good. Converted four out of five break points, really played the big points well. And uh, just solid, nothing spectacular, uh, but uh, hit some really good, good shots along the way, moving really well. And most of all, a healthy two-set win for uh, Jessica Pegula. Has made the quarterfinals here the past three years. Has eyes on getting even further. Clean start for the American. Good day for folks up in Buffalo. Meantime on the men's side, Holger Runa, Yoshi Nishioka, both made the round of 16 last year, John. Uh, we got the new Suns Out, Guns Out sleeveless look for the Great Dane as well. Yeah, if Carlos can do it, so can the guy born the same week. Uh, but there's Nishioka. That's our guy, Steve. It's Nish time. Uh, this guy's really fun, speedster, shot maker. Look at those hands at the net. He wasn't going to beat Holgeruna, just doesn't have the weapons, but made it a fun match. And Holgeruna, can we talk about, we sort of think of him, you know, he's a bit of a counterpuncher sometimes. And he had 71 winners yesterday in only a four-set match. Dropped a second, but then came back really strong. 17 aces, that's a big number too, especially against a guy that returns pretty well. Uh, this was all... Holger for the last hour one that comeback set in the seven six and then Cruz look here uh, forty love losing it out with some nice touch here. Um, uh, Holger Runa, I, I gotta say, are we talking about this guy as the AC? Are we talking about him enough? A little bit of a dip in the fall, but uh, I don't know. He's um, new, new team, new staff, and uh, looked good yesterday. Yeah, Severin Luthi was in the box, very vocal. Love to hear that. One of the newest coaches for Holgaruna. Tommy Paul bringing great vibes to town. His uh, best major result was here last year, all the way to the semifinals. Starts with Gregoire Barrer. Big defense. You mentioned uh, the Bills for Jesse Pagula. Tommy Paul's beloved Eagles. Uh, out of not there. Not fair as well. Out of there. But uh, Tommy Paul, on the other hand, was spectacular yesterday. Um, just really clean tennis against a guy who didn't give him much resistance. Two, three, and three. That's a way to kick off. A major campaign, especially when you are looking to defend semifinal points. He plays Jack Draper next. That could be a little tricky. Jack Draper's beaten him twice in Australia in the last 53 weeks, including uh, less than a week ago. But yesterday, all Tommy Paul, 27 winners, only 15 unforced. There's a very clean match against a guy he probably should have beat, and he did handle it. Yeah, that made it a perfect 5-0 for seated American men in Melbourne. Looking good. 
A lot of points to defend, but has a good attitude, loves playing in the heat. What did you think of his start? I think it was perfect. Exactly what Tommy wanted. He got through that very easily, felt good about his game, didn't expend too much energy. I think he got through exactly how he wanted. Martina has that rematch. John mentioned it with Jack Draper. They played five days ago. Tommy lost that one. How does he change the outcome in the next round? Ah, uh, well, uh, get more balls back. I don't know. I don't know why he lost that match, but uh, he'll hopefully he'll learn from it. I'm sure he'll be, his team will be studying it and try to find some ways where they, they maybe where he could have done a lot better, whether it's serving location or where he was returning from, just mixing it up, get to the net more or defend more, depending totally what happened in that first match. You can make adjustments, and as a loser, you got nothing to lose, and you kind of ticked off, so you want to you yeah. get, get revenge. Right. We, we were joking about it in, in the first segment. When your opponent has thrown up into a bucket uh, in his previous match, maybe you want to make it physical. Yeah. Take advantage of the best-of-five format. Tommy Paul's conditioning right. is great. He also is, you know, I'm not sure there are ten better athletes out there. Make it a physical match against a guy who you know from his previous round has had some trouble physically. I thought the vomit section was over. We had moved on to it. Lindsay was like, no more vomit. in service of analysis. You had to bring it up again. in service of analysis. He never listens. No. I'm going to start moving this way. More to come here on TC Live. All the big stories, all of the highlights, match previews, plus the great Jim Courier joins the program. Talking Taylor Fritz, Amanda Anasimova, and more. Stay with us. Welcome back to TC Live as we lead you up to first ball on day four of the Australian Open. Back in our studios, Steve Weissman with you. And in the same year that Vijay Amitraj and Leander Pays will become the first Indian players inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame, some more history for that nation. With his win over Alexander Bublik, Sumit Nagal became the first Indian man in 35 years to beat a seed at a Grand Slam. Amazing. For more stories like that, make Tennis.com your online information source throughout the Australian Open and the entire 2024 season. Leah Davidoff has your three to see every day. And David Kane has a profile of 16-year-old Brenda Fruvertova. Download the Tennis app or visit the website. Now time for the Daily Forecast with Fox Weather. Good day, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather meteorologist Jane Menard, and here's today's Australian Open forecast. Today in Melbourne, temperatures held down a touch cooler because of these showers into about the mid-70s. Keep the rain gear on hand. Remember, you can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather on your favorite connected TV device. Still to come on the show, Nick Kyrgios joins us. Find out who he thinks is the most exciting player to watch on tour. Plus more highlights, including U.S. Open champ Emma Raducanu. And our Bet365 match preview focuses on Alicia Parks and Layla Fernandez. But first, Coco Golf comes into Melbourne as a major champion for the first time. John Wertheim tells us how that changes the narrative for the teenage superstar. Welcome back. Taking a look at our featured matches today. A lot of big names in action. Second round getting underway. Mira Andrieva said Angebur is her idol. Jabur was like, that doesn't matter. She still want to go out there and kick my butt. <laughs> Caroline Dolan, Coco Golf. after that. How about Arena Sabalenka? Another 16-year-old, Brenda Fruvertova. And the 10-time <laughs> champ, Novak Djokovic, 
inside Rod Laver Arena late night tonight. Coco Golf started the year by jumping off a tower. She is still flying. The top-ranked American only dropped three games in her first-round match at the Australian Open, extending her win streak to six in a row this year and eight straight at majors. John Wertheim has more. Just as there are rules of tennis, there are rules of hype and expectation. Heading into last year's U.S. Open, the question swirling around Coco Goff went like this. Does she have what it takes, finally, to break through and win her first major? The answer was a hard yes, which, per the rules of hype, means the question swirling around her as she heads into the Australian Open becomes, does she have what it takes to back up one smashing major with a smashing, or at least solid, showing at the next one? It's harsh and maybe even unfair, but the good news here is that Goff absolutely is poised to build on one success with another. Coco Goff. Last September, she didn't just win the U.S. Open, she seized it. She didn't just show off her power and athleticism, she showed off her survival instincts. Down a set in the final against a high-ranked opponent, she decided she simply was not going to lose. She also proved a lot to the folks on the other side of the net, that she can summon the necessary level of strength, that she can summon the focus to win seven matches over two weeks, that her decision to shake up the voices in her ear adding Brad Gilbert to the mix was a wise one. And as Goff enters this, her final major as a teenager, she no longer is fighting impatience. In fact, time is now on her side. There is still a one before her age, and she already has garnered a Hall of Fame resume. And it's worth pointing out that winning a major before turning age 20 is something that neither Roger Federer, nor Novak Djokovic, nor Venus Williams ever did. So off Goff goes, trying to keep her winning streak at a major going. Yes, it's another round of pressure and hype. And yet, in another way, she comes into this event more free than perhaps she's ever been. 2024, this is the year that she will turn 20 and no longer be a teenager. What a start she has had thus far, though. A perfect 6-0 bagel in the first round. Told herself during that first match here in Melbourne during a tight moment, I feel good, I look good, so just have fun. We love that positive self-talk, Martina. What, what does that tell you about Coco's mindset coming in to the year's first major? You know, for, she's thinking long-term and short-term. She brings it into the moment. She knows what she wants to do in her career, but she also knows what she wants to do this year, but she knows what she needs to do today to get to that goal. And I think she's just been brought up that way, and it's in her DNA now. It's like such a mindset. That's why you see the focus. That's why you see her in the gym, because she's doing exactly what she has to do to be in the best possible situation to win again. I mean, she's been a superstar really since she was 15 mm -hmm. when she was able yep. to beat Venus at, at Wimbledon that year as a qualifier. And the way that everyone around her has handled it and the way she has stayed the same is, is maybe the greatest thing that we've seen in the sport because most teenage phenoms that come through by this age have had some kind of issue, some kind of burnout, some kind of scandal, something happened to them. And you're like, oh, she's amazing and yeah. perfect and happy. And 
it, all of, I mean, most of the credit obviously goes to her parents. They just get it. Like, it's, she is their daughter first. And tennis player comes somewhere on that list. I don't know exactly how their list is prioritized, but to see a player still have that love and still have that joy, something that we don't always get in the sport. So I, I'm so thrilled that she is out here. She wants to achieve more. She Obviously, her dream came true at the U.S. Open, but when I spoke to her camp in the offseason, it, it is about winning another major and winning the gold medal. Mm. And that is the goal this year, and they have weeks baked in that are fun weeks and are, te- you know, I shouldn't say teenage because she's going to be 20, girl weeks, yeah. you know, and they, they just get it. And in this sport, so often, the parents don't get it. That's good. You know, you know what else we've seen is players win that first major, especially the younger players. They're unburdened, and they spend about – Six months celebrating, um, and their results show it. That is not the case here. Uh, Coco kept it up in the fall. What did she do this offseason? She went to www.taskrabbit.com and got Andy Roddick to help her with her serve. That is not something that a lot of 19-year-olds would do. She's still making these adjustments to her game. We've seen her in this tournament. Where, where have we seen her? We've seen her playing matches. We also have seen her in the gym again and again and again. Here she is again. <laughs> Another gym shot. Uh, she's, she's hope she gets kind of loyalty points there or something. Um, but this is not someone who's satisfied winning that U.S. Open. It's not like, okay, game, game over. I did what I wanted to do. I'm curious. I mean, I'm sure you guys heard her remarks about double-digit majors is what she has in her sights. Yeah. What do we make of the fact of her articulating ambitions like that, guys? She was in a sight plank when she was doing that, you know, one-arm lift. So <laughs> it's, yeah, as if the sight plank wasn't hard enough. She's got to lift weights at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, she knows what she's doing. The team around her knows what they're doing. And, uh, and like, as you said, she's a daughter first, probably tennis player second, but they got it all going on. And uh, double digits is definitely, if she stays healthy, that should happen. I think you have to get to that point also as a player. It, it was hard for her to get over that hurdle mentally of winning the U.S. Open. She's talked about that. And now, okay, now realistically I need to reset my goals. I think it's hitting her like, yeah, I, I could be great, really great, yeah. right? And so that that's all also tough to kind of come to terms with. It, it's easy, oh, you're so good, you're going to do it. But then when it takes a couple of years, sometimes doubt creeps in to some of the players. Um, but I love that the way she's outspoken now. This is what she wants to do. Iga, very much the same. I love right now in women's tennis, we have these players like, this is what I want. This is mm-hmm. what I'm going after. Mm-hmm. I do want to go back to John's point real quick about Andy Roddick. Like, mm-hmm. how does the serve look now that, that she's spent a couple days with Roddick? It looks good. I mean, it was all about the toss. And the mm-hmm. toss was giving her a lot of problems throughout the years. The second serve, the, the contact point was all over the place. We showed that on Hawkeye mm-hmm. Graphics many times. So he was trying to give her a tip of how to get the toss more consistent. Thought he was, she was releasing it too low wanted her to release it and not have that tossing arm have such a big motion have it more simplified from mid-body and just go straight up and for her it caught on like that I mean she is the best athlete out there in women's tennis so these changes aren't maybe as hard for her to implement as some other players yeah, that toss is essential. When the toss is off, everything else goes crazy. So that that's a big one. And it's a lot easier to fix it when you're 19 than when you're 29 because yeah. then you get the yips and it becomes much more emotional and mental than actual physical mechanics of tossing the ball. So, yeah, the more you can simplify a simple motion, the better. Uh, and uh, and now sh- that should just hold forever. You know, I, I don't think that it, yeah. Great choice. Great, great, great changes. And, and before it becomes mental, because then then it's like, ah, you know, then you it's much harder to fix it later than right now. 
Just trying to get better. We're going to be talking about teenagers later in the show. And, and we didn't even we, – we said Coco's the best, so we have to talk about everybody else because she's just on a, on a plane above everybody going for that second straight major. More to come here on TC Live. Nick Kyrgios actually interviewed Coco earlier in the tournament. The Aussie superstar, still out injured, joins us next to give his thoughts about everything in Melbourne. Our Tennis Channel family member, Nick Kyrgios. That's right. Coming back with Kigs. Don't go anywhere. Horse! What up, bud? Welcome back. The new original series and podcast, Good Trouble with Nick Kyrgios, is coming to the Tennis Channel family. Nick interviews game-changer-type guests like Super Chef Gordon Ramsay, the champ Mike Tyson, and, of course, another champ, Naomi Osaka. The series produced by Hanakuma, which is Naomi and Nick's production company. It debuts Wednesday, January 24th, streaming on T2 and drops every Wednesday after that. Beautiful scenes down under. Welcome back to TC Live at the Australian Open. Day four, it is the start of round two. And we are now so happy to welcome in one of our newest colleagues, Nick Kyrgios, who is uh, down under in Melbourne. Got about 17 different jobs down there, Nick. Thanks for taking some time with us. Back, back, back with your TC fam. Yeah, it feels good. I'm not going to lie. Um, I do miss sitting up there next to you guys, um, you know, Seeing some good matches, but also talking a, a lot of a lot of stuff up there. It's it's it's. I do miss it a lot. So tell me about your schedule because you're working kind of all over the place when you're in Melbourne. How does that compare to when you were playing and and your type of schedule? Honestly, I'm way more tired now. You know, doing ESPN, Eurosport, and now I don't have an excuse for anything. Like when someone sees me, it's like you know I can't just say oh I got practice later or oh, I'm tired. It's like I got to be there, sharp, and you know I got to be on the ball because. You know, like you can feel the energy through the screen when you're watching the matches and you can hear the commentary. You know, I want to be the best version of myself and, and try and give the fans all the insight in the world. But no, it's been good. I'm looking forward to it. I called Pass yesterday, which was interesting, but it was fun. It was fun. It's a serious question. Seems like you're having a good time. You're getting a lot of positive reinforcement. What, what has this done to your desire to get back out there, all this media work? Yeah, look. There's, I'd be lying to say if I didn't miss it, you know, especially watching Novak walk uh, walk out on center court the other the other night and, and hear the roar from the crowd. And I do miss that. I, I miss going out there, giving the fans a good show. But again, you know, I understand that, you know, as an athlete, you deal with injuries. So you, you, you can't, you know, you can't be too upset. It, it's part of the journey and it's part of the process. And I'm, I'm just enjoying that. And right now... I know that I'm I'm a student of the game. I've got a high tennis IQ. I can give the fans a different insight to all these different players. I've shared different moments with all these players. I've played against them. So I feel like I'm adding a different dimension to the to the commentary box. And I feel like people are enjoying it. You know, I've you know, yesterday I was breaking down serves, all that type of stuff. So I'm enjoying it, but I do miss it, obviously. I'm wondering if all this time spent uh, do- doing media and doing the prep work, if that's changed your uh, your your perception of, of the media's job and of broadcasters, if this has ch- changed perceptions for you? Oh, definitely not. I, I, I still, you know, I, I, I go into each match, you know, trying to be respectful of the players, even if I don't know them, even if someone does, even if someone messes up or smashes a racket, I still wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't be as disrespectful, I guess, as the media has been towards me at times. But, um, 
you know, I just try and uh, I just try and be balanced out there as well. Um, but yeah, look, I, I wouldn't say anything in the commentary box. I wouldn't say to a player's face. I'm not sure that's been the case with the media towards me. <laughs> here with Nick Kyrgios, who was with us during the ATP Finals last right. year, here on, on TC Live, calling matches as well, and now down in Melbourne working for a bunch of different networks. Nick, whenever you play, you were one of the most box office exciting players on tour, but now that you're a commentator, who is most exciting for you to watch? Um, look, Novak and I think Prismich the other day were, was insane. You know, for me, that was four hours of absolute box office tennis. That youngster's going to be one to watch in the future for sure in the way he carried himself on the court. was amazing. But, you know, I was actually really excited to watch um, Tsitsipas yesterday and obviously he was originally supposed to play Berrettini and I was really looking forward to that because that's two world-class players. Um, but I enjoy watching Tsitsipas too. He's very elegant with his one-handed backhands and all that type of stuff, but... I get to I get to do Alcaraz tonight, so I'm pretty excited. Not gonna lie. You, you mentioned Sitsipas. Uh, you, you are known as a shot maker, and yet I, I would mm. uh, I would put it to you: this may be one of the craziest shots that we have seen. Uh, can, can you tell us what the heck happened here? And also, how, how do you comment on a shot like this? Oh well, you know, in this moment, I would have thrown probably some f bombs and stuff, but I wasn't able to in the commentary box because that. That was an insane shot. And that, that yesterday was the turning point in that match. He obviously lost. He came out slow, lost the first set. A lot of nerves from Tsitsipas. And that, that, how he managed not to hit the net there was incredible. And then after that, he was just rolling, kind of opened up the shoulders a little bit. And he, he started to play that, the type of tennis we know, the brand of tennis, the big serve, the big forehand. And he was just too much for his opponent, um, Bergs, on the day. But that point there was insane. Like, look, look how crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. Crazy. Watching it live was pretty cool. You're saying too. Look at the play by the by the ball kid to uh, to, to to grab that on the fly too. Um, we have uh, spoken about your countrymen, about Alex Dimonor now in the top yep. ten. What sort of energy on on site on the grounds and in Australia? Give us a sense of what kind of energy his ascent has has brought to this event. Yeah, I think Aussies. You know, we we're in dying need of of a Grand Slam winner, and I could feel that every time I was at Australian Open or every time I was at Wimbledon, I genuinely had a chance. It's like a whole contingent's just following you. And, you know, when Demonar's around the, the grounds and outside his practices, the, the country's right behind him. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to wheel him over the line. Obviously, he got a got tested a little bit in his first round, ended up moving through. But, you know, I think Demon has improved his game. He looks a little fitter. He looks a bit stronger. So I think he's going to put, uh, you know, a bit more on his ground strokes, a bit more on his serve. I thought that was an aspect of his game where he needed to improve on. And I could definitely see it in his upper body. Um, but, yeah, he's playing some great tennis and he's, you know, the top 10 is very deserved. You know, he's, he's one of the great competitors that we have that shows up every single week, tries to get the better, best out of himself. So I'm not surprised with him progressing through the rankings. It's now whether or not he can able challenge guys like Sinner, challenge guys like Medvedev, challenge guys like Novak in a best of five where his game style has been, you know, dealt with in the past. Someone that doesn't have very many weapons at his disposal, but maybe he's changing that. And I think he's got a genuine shot. You know, Demon is a tough, tough competitor and I'll never count him out. Nick, before we let you go, uh, you've worked for a bunch of different TV networks now. There is only one right answer. Uh, which one is your favorite? Uh, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll, uh, I don't know, this is tough. I'll say all three. I'm no wrong answer. I'll keep my options open. All of them are equally as good. Yeah. All right. All right. Listen, don't, don't ever forget TC. You know? <laughs> the roots here on TC Live. Keep doing your thing. You're crushing it down there. And hopefully we see you in person and, and on the court soon.
Sounds good. Sounds good, guys. And remember, that new original series and podcast, Good Trouble with Nick Kyrgios, is coming to the Tennis Channel family. Give us some love. Nick interviews game changer types. He's at Novak Djokovic, Jay Shetty, Rain Wilson, Mike Tyson, more. Series produced by Hanakuma, which is Naomi and Nick's production company. It debuts Wednesday, January 24th, streaming on T2. Drops every Wednesday after that. Good Trouble with Nick Kyrgios. Still to come, who is the best Emma on tour? One is a seed, the other a Grand Slam champion. We've got highlights from both of their matches next. Back on TC Live, former world number eight, Big John Isner making his TC Live debut on Thursday and Friday, a couple days away, January 18th and 19th, right here on the Big Couch TC Live. The man with more aces than anyone in tennis history is going to ace the broadcasting as well. Will help us break down all the action from Melbourne. Speaking of, Emma Navarro just won her first WTA title on Saturday. Lindsay said it was like coming off the Super Bowl and then starting a new season a few days later facing Wang Ziyu. Yeah, it's not easy. You walk into a major and by the way, oh, seated for the first time and she'd only won one match previously at a major. So a lot changes for Emma Navarro. But the first set, Steve, she played exceptional. But credit Wong, who got better in the second set. She got ultra aggressive, was trying to rip winners from everywhere on the court. Navarro had a match point and ended up going three. And all of a sudden, you got the sense, would the fatigue set in for Navarro? Seventh game, absolutely huge. She was down 15-40. Wong had her opportunities here to get up a break in this final set. And look at this pass that Navarro was able to come up with never showed any signs of panic and Steve she just worked the entire match and got through a tough first round match. Aussie Open debut picks up her second career major win. Emma Navarro is 9-1 this year Lindsay and how about this draw? And, and now you look at this draw and Steve we talk about okay she's in main draw here second round for the first time only been to the second round of one other major one time and she is the betting favorite to get to the second week in the round of 16 seed to 27 who knows you never know when things happen it's all new territory for her but she has worked so incredibly hard for this um, and she's got a great opportunity now the betting favorite she said after the match during the tight moments John she was betting on herself mm. and so that type of positive attitude so Coco has it now Emma Navarro has it what do you think she expresses a so buttoned up she doesn't give the opponent much. There's not. A, we saw her pump her fist when she won. That's about as emotional as you saw her get. You also feel like there's that same sort of methodical approach to the scheduling, to the playing. She has not built mm -hmm. her ranking by big splashes at majors. She's done this step by step, sometimes at smaller events. And now, if she gets to that fourth round, I mean, round of 16 will be eclipsing her seeding. So this is looking like potentially a really strong event for her. Mm. Yeah, I think Emma's just a calm person to begin with. And so she doesn't really show those emotions. <clears throat> but most of all, I think she's had great coaching all the way through her career. And it really comes to show how well put together she is. And these big points, she doesn't, she's just so cool, calm and collected, believing, believes in herself. And the, the fundamentals are there. It's just a matter of time. And now that time is right now. So good for her. Yeah, that time is now, Martina. Up to a career high, 23 in the live rankings now can get into the top 20. <laughs> 
for the first time in her career, depending how she does. We had the mom tracker on TC Live earlier. How about our Emma tracker? Because we've got another one in action. Radikanu taking on American Shelby Rogers. The Brit beat Rogers in their only previous meeting. That was on the way to her U.S. Open title, Martina. Yes, and that was a few years ago, and Emma has not played that much or that well since then, and so the pressure's on her, but uh, she looked really good in this in this match, uh, really uh, solid all the way around, three out of five break points, one Shelby Rogers, too many unforced errors really for her, uh, especially getting beat on the second serve, but Emma Raducanu just didn't look like she had any rust going on, because she's really played so little the last couple of years. But she looked really sharp, and now her draw opens up nicely as she that pretty much put it away in the second set. Just such a complete player, and she can still get better. But it's really nice to see her healthy and playing well again. And you just can't discount her no matter what, because I don't think that US Open win was a fluke. Mm, hopefully not. We talked about NCAA champion Emma Navarro. How about another one? UCLA's Mackie McDonald starting off against the Chinese wildcard Jerry Shang. He's at a career high, John, after making the semis in Hong Kong. Yeah, Lindsay knew this trivia. Who's the last player to beat Rafa Nadal in a major? It's Mackie McDonald. This is like boxing. Two guys, same weight class, about 5'10", 160. Ten years of age difference, though. Mackie McDonald claws his way back, takes a two-sets-to-one lead, and you feel like he's bringing his veteran experience to bear, maybe his superior conditioning. And then give Jerry Shang a lot of credit. Uh, Named for Tom and Jerry, uh, no cartoonish stuff here. This was really impressive. This kid's got some deceptive power as well. 31 winners. And again, Mackie McDonald takes a two sets to one lead in the best of five match. You think he's home free. He is not. A double break in the fifth set for Jang. Gave himself a little bit of cushion. Ended up not needing a very impressive win. More than three hours. Saved 13 of the 18 break points he faced. Back in round two for the second straight year. We're going to be talking about the teenagers on the women's side in our next segment. But like Shang, Alex Mickelson, one of the six teens on the men's side, John, got a lot of games, showed it against James McCabe. Yeah, what were you guys doing a year ago? Lindsey Davenport was right here. Um, what was Alex Mickelson doing about a year ago? He was in Edmond, Oklahoma, playing small events. He won that event, which pushed his ranking to 526. That gives you a sense of how far he has come. He was in here on a direct ranking, now in the top 100. This kid could just as easily be a college freshman. He is not. He's winning matches at this level. And playing against a wild card, the Cape overcame a little bit of hiccup. I mean, there is so much room to grow and also get bigger physically and yet already bringing it here. This was a clean match for the kids. 6'4", 175 pounds. You get the feeling that weight could go up. Guess what? He's into the second round. Nice win yesterday. Second major win for Mickelson. Said he was inspired by watching fellow teen Dino Prismich play Novak Djokovic. He was like, I beat Dino here in juniors a couple years ago in the warm-up. <laughs> I couldn't do that. Uh, by the way, our tennis story tomorrow is on Alex Mickelson. Taking a look at some other American scores. Lindsay, what stands out? I was disappointed for Peyton Stern. She had high hopes going down under, just didn't get to play her best in the three tournaments she played. Sloan Stevenso, nice mm -hmm. opening there. She had lost, I think, four times in a row in the first round. She had. So Sloan moving on to round two. Let's talk about some other Americans in action today. Amanda Anna Samova facing Nadia Podoroska. Both these players have made the semis at Roland Garros. That's back in the day. But this is a very different opponent for Amanda than the first round when she took on Ludmila Samsonova. What does she need to do to get into round three, Martina? Just keep going for her shots, but not go for too much too soon. Podoroska is a is a baseliner. She's just a retriever, so you don't want to pull the trigger too early. 
as Amanda made quite a few unforced in that the first match. I don't think she needs to go for that much like she did against uh, Samsonova. So I think just take your, take your time, don't panic, and 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 when you do have the chance, go for it because the mat, the racket the match is on her on her racket. Uh, it's it's she's in control. Yeah, yeah, she'll have more time today than she did against Samsonova. So yeah. uh, Anasimova will have the benefit of being able to build points against Podoroska. She's going to be in control of this match. It'll be dictated on Amanda's racket. And that's what Martina's saying. Keep that unforced, unforced error count as low as possible. She's going to make some. She goes for a lot. But make it on the right shots. And, you know, when you have a seed in the first round, it's obviously really tough. But we've talked about it. If you get through that match, the draw starts to open up. And there's some room there for Amanda also to make a push to the second week. I'm not sure Podoroska has much to hurt her with. Never played before. You know, you look at the rolling rankings... Amanda Anasimova, 442. Obviously, they're not 441 better players. What does that indicate? How long a time she spent off tour, and yet so far in her return, it looks like she hasn't missed a day. Uh, she should be a good favorite in this one. Podoroska only dropped one game in the first round. So had a really nice performance there, but we'll see what Amanda Anasimova has in store. Benny Schultz, Ben Shelton, he got a straight set win in round one, takes on an Aussie in round two, Chris O'Connell. What do you expect to see in this one? I think more of the same. I mean, you sort of go through these matches and you say, what can player X do to hurt player Y? I'm not sure I've got many answers from a You know, maybe an Aussie crowd gets raucous, but what do we know about Ben Sheldon? He likes these college environments. I have a hard time imagining him not uh, surviving. Yeah, Ben talked about that after his first round, that last year in his run to the quarterfinal, he played an Australian and he dealt with it just fine. I think he's one of those players that actually probably loves that, knows that the crowd's going to be against him or for his opponent. Everything about his game is more complete. You love to see a young player continue to get better. He might not win every match, but he knew he had the weapon in the serve and the forehand. Now he's building points. His backhand is more solid. He should be able to get through this one. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll deal with the crowd just fine. And, you know, he's got the personality that he can actually win him over. Maybe not most of the Aussies, but some of them. And uh, they'll be appreciating good tennis anyway. They're good sports, the Aussies. So I don't think they'll be that lopsided. And I think uh, Ben's going to make some new fans down there. Ben Shelton looking to get back deep in this draw for a second straight year. As we head to break, let's take you behind the scenes, see the players getting ready to play their matches. There's Alicia Parks. Young American that we profiled on the show yesterday. Tough second round opponent in Layla Fernandez. Taylor Fritz taking on Hugo Gaston next. Second straight lefty for him. Last year he lost in the second round, so doesn't have the pressure some of his fellow Americans have to defend points here. Five setter in the first round. And how about the 16-year-old Mira Andrieva going to take the court against Angebur later tonight. We'll talk more about the young Russian when TC Live rolls on. Back on TC Live, a reminder that the world's top men and women return to tennis paradise. It's Indian Wells, California for one of the sport's marquee events. Can't wait to get back to the desert. Don't miss complete first ball to last ball live coverage of the BNP Paribas Open right here on Tennis Channel with daily bonus coverage on T2, the action begins Wednesday, March 6th, as we welcome you back into our studio, Steve and Lindsay. We had 11 teenagers to start in the draw on the women's side. Amazing. Five remain. Uh, so we were going to talk about who, who's the best. Coco Goff is the best teenager in the world, man or woman. She's a major champion, hasn't lost in a major since last year. So her aside, there are four teenagers remaining on the women's side. 
Who has the biggest upside? Who are you buying stock in? Yeah, it's one of the things that's so exciting right now about the WTA are the newcomers that we have coming up. These girls are great tennis players, and you get the real sense that they're going to be even greater on the pro level. I don't know. I, there's a lot to choose from. My favorite is Mira Andreva. I've loved the way she's played, the way she goes about producing her tennis, won a first-round match against Bernarda Pera. There's just something about her, and not only how she the ball comes off her racket, her little steps to get ready, getting in and out of the corners. Now at 16 years old, it's her just realizing, okay, I have a real chance here. I'm most likely going to be a Grand Slam champion. When is she comfortable with that? She's made a lot of big strides huge tournaments last year, qualifying at Roland Garros and Wimbledon back-to-back. -back. There's a lot to like there. Just when she's ready to then get mm. into the top 10 and top 20, it's different for everybody when their maturity is there. She's well on her way, though. She's the youngest player in the top 40 in the world right now. Definitely comfortable on camera. We've had her yeah. on set a few times on Tennis Channel. Such a dynamic personality. Remember that quote where she's like, oh, the beautiful faces and wanting to see Andy <laughs> Murray and meeting all of her heroes. But it's incredible to think, Lindsay, that last year at this time, she was playing in a junior final against Alina Kornieva, who, by the way, also is still in the draw here, the main draw. Yeah, and, and Kornieva, by the way, is another huge talent. But these two battled for over three hours in the junior girls' final. Pretty remarkable out on Rod Laver Arena. And it was Kornieva who was able to win that. Mira Andreva was on tear in tears on yeah. Rod Laver Arena. Her doubles partner, Kornieva, had to console her. And it was just a few months later where... Mira talked about it at the French Open. I can't believe I'm playing in the main draw here yeah. because just <laughs> in January at the Australian Open, I was so crushed not to win yeah. the junior title there. The junior slams love to go watch them because a lot of times you see those players before they become great. And so you get a really good sense. You feel like you know them a little bit better, but those two as well. And I also like Linda Noskova quite mm -hmm. a bit as well. They play great tennis. Um, there's a lot to look forward to on the WTA. Got to give some love to Brenda Fruvertova yep, as well. Absolutely. The other teen still in the draw. She's going to crack the top 100 for the first time, has added Nicholas Masu to her coaching team. I think she's got future top five talents. Yep. The future is bright on the WTA, but it's not so bright in Melbourne right now. A little overcast, maybe some rain as well. We are getting closer to the start of day four down under all the top headlines with the entire crew, plus Jim Courier joining us later on site. Amanda Anasimova. Let's go, Amanda. Like, yeah. Come on. Big second-round match today against Nadia Podoroska. N nice little draw for me. Not wearing yeah. her own badge, though. No. <laughs> got to be in charge of your own credentials, Steve. Remember when Roger Federer? Totally. You know, yeah, that's right. Doesn't matter. That's right. Like, you better have been your badge. off the tour for a little bit of time. She maybe forgot that part of it. Coach Big. Mark giving her a little yeah. giggle. Yeah. Come on, Amanda. Get your credentials. Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> put it around your neck. You got to be <laughs> You forgot? So Eight months away? So good. <laughs> TC Live coming your way every day, 5 o'clock Eastern. Brett Haber, Paul Anacone doing a great job with our encore coverage as well. It was just four years ago that Sophia Kennan became a Grand Slam champion in Melbourne. Remember, she beat Coco Golf, Angebur, Ash Barty, and then Garbina Muguruza on the way to the title would reach four in the world that year. And the American trying to get back to that level. Starting out with a tough draw facing the world number one, Iga Sviantek, who's still hoping to reach Kennan's level of success at this event, Martina. Yeah, this was a tough first round, obviously, for more for Kennan than Sviantek. And, and uh, Kennan got off to a good start. She was up a break, then she lost it. Uh, Sviantek got back to 3-all, 4-all. And then Kennan breaks again to go up 5-4. Third score the set. 
did not play a bad game, just maybe a little bit too careful. Uh, Iga hit a couple of winners, and uh, and then Kenny kind of bailed on that drop shot. And uh, they go into the tie break with Shiontek. Again, played a good tie break. I think he had three or four winners. Uh, Kenny just not making enough good shots. Meantime, Iga ends up the match at 30 winners and 21 of four stone. This slow court against such a good hitter as Kenny. That's something to be proud of. Also, was at the net nine times during the match, which is more than usual. So I think she's trying to be more aggressive. And it paid off nicely for her at the end, kind of a straightforward, straight set win. But it was close in that first set. It wasn't the easiest first round. Uh, she played really well, you know, and I tried to find my rhythm, especially in the first set. And I'm happy that at the end of the set, I could win, you know, the most important points. And yeah, as I said, it wasn't easy and I'm happy that I'm through and I could play a little bit better in the second set. Good test for the world number yeah. one. Well, what's your biggest takeaway from that? Yeah, we knew when we saw the draw that Iga had a much tougher road than sometimes you wanted a major or sometimes you are, are willing to deal with. But at other moments, it makes a top player really lock in early. And she was tested mightily in that first set. Loved the way she was able to raise the level of her game. She never played her best tennis down under. So I'm sure when the draw came out, she wasn't super stoked to see what her draw looks like. Um, but she was able to get better as that match went on. Kennan played high-level tennis. That's one of the best matches Kennan has played in a long time. Didn't, wasn't able to win. She would have beaten a lot of players yesterday. So for Iga, I think a lot to be confident for and, and proud of. Still got a tough match in the next round, though. Yep. Ten seconds on Kennan. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. She had a ranking that had swollen well into triple digits a year ago. For her to be in this position, she wasn't that far from being seated. Plays a very nice first set in particular. If you're a top seed, both of you guys, you know this as former top seeds. Do, do you like a match like this, or would you just prefer 48 minutes of 6-1, 6-1? No, you want a, you want a good match. You want you want to be pushed. You don't want to have a close match because you played lousy. You want to have a close match because your opponent's really good, and that's exactly what Iga got. So it's perfect preparation. I think that's the difference between like great and okay. One year I got stockage in the first round, and she was like ranked 17. The only seed at 16. I think I cried for like two days. I didn't want to go out there. But you won the match. I did, but I didn't. Wasn't happy about that. Like that wasn't like, oh yeah, this is gonna get my tournament going. I was like, oh my god, how does this happen? So Tina would have been like, but yes. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> You little insight. No, you, were, you happy after the match. I would have been happy to see the draw, but then after the match, you're like, good and tested. But I'm not sure I'll be crying ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. I she won 18 singles titles. But you felt better about yourself after, right? You're like, wow, I got yeah, that. Right. Maybe. You're like, I forgot about that. Oh. You just remember the tears. <laughs> for not being happy. Good 17 insight. straight wins now for Iga Shviante. Yeah. Longest streak since she won. 37 in a row. So we'll see if she yeah. continues this run here in Australia. Meantime, last year's finalist, Elena Rabakina Lindsay, won a title in Brisbane to start the year. Opens up, though. How about another blockbuster against the former world number one, Karolina Pliskova? How many crazy first-round matchups did we have? This was another one, and Pliskova was in control of this first set. She was up a break early, then up 6-3 in the breaker. By the way, double mini-break. Mm -hmm. And it was Rabakina who really held strong in this match. She started to get her forehand better. That was a bit shaky in the beginning part of this match. She was trying to get used to the pace of Pliskova. But once she settled down and was able to get this first set, she started to get better control of that forehand-to-forehand -forehand exchange. It was all Rabakina and really relaxed in the second set. Played much better there. Ended up with eight more winners and four fewer unforced errors than Pliskova, who 
You know, Rebecca in a place similar style, but just a little bit more athletic and a little bit more on her game on this night and last year's finalist able to get through. 26 winners in total for Rebecca, six of those aces. Next up for her, Anna Blinkova. To the men we go, Carlitos Alcaraz playing his first match in Australia in 725 days, John. The only other time he played this guy, Richard Gasquet, Carlitos won his first career title. Yeah. Now he's got a dozen. He was, he was 17 at the time. Uh, he also makes his debut for 2024, showing his right to bare arms. Uh, this was a very nice first set, entertaining stuff. This may be the last time, uh, realistically, 37-year-old Gasquet makes an appearance in Melbourne, and for about an hour, this was a really fun match. 7-6, then Alcaraz went into domination mode, like like Trump in Iowa domination mode. Uh, barely gave his opponent a sniff, sort of put on the, uh, the full Carlitos. Second and third sets actually lasted less time than the first. Listen to this, guys. 53 winners. Only nine of them came on aces as well. Nice all-around performance. So for one set, he had to work hard, and then for the next two, it was... All Carlitos. Nice debut to the season for uh, the second season. How about this? Stays perfect in first-round matches at majors. He has never lost at something that uh, Roger and Novak didn't do. No, or Rafa went 34-0 to start his career, so he's got a few years to go to, <laughs> to keep that. But but he's got Rafa's arms. I mean, we, we noticed the, the sleeveless outfit out there. Yeah. Check out behind the scenes. Carlos, who has his own uh, underwear deal as well, uh, like Francis Tiafo and, and Grigor Dimitrov. But uh, putting on the sleeveless shirt, Martina, flexing those guns, sun's out, guns out. You know, if you got it, flaunt it. But uh, <laughs> his right arm is not that much bigger than his left arm. There is a very small difference. There is a difference, but it's not massive like it was with uh, with Rafa. But anyway, yeah. He what? looks. He, he carries. The, he carries that shirt. He carries it. Pulls <laughs> it off. <laughs> what, what, what stood out to you from his uh, first round performance? Listen, we talked about it with Sinner. We talked about it with Medvedev. You can't expect to be perfect. Your first match, first official match in five, six, whatever, however yeah. many weeks it's been. Didn't play a lead up tournament. So to get to a tie break, he was calm in the big moments. I think he knows. I mean, he's got such a great team around him to say like. You'll, you'll play your way into this match. You'll play your way into the tournament. He didn't panic when he wasn't playing his best in the beginning. He got better. And by the end, he finishes that match just ecstatic. And he knows he's still in the tournament, still has room to build. Did you guys notice uh, here without Juan Carlos Ferrero, his coach who's right. having knee surgery, did, did you notice, and I didn't, uh, more or less looks to the box? I and mean, this is someone who reflexively looks for, uh, for approval after every shot. I'm yeah. not sure we saw that last night. Oh, look. It's gonna, this is going to help him in the long run anyways. So. But he's, nope. it, it's still a very close camp, and Juan Carlos still very much right. a part of the picture of what's going on down there. But I think that they're also trying to teach him, play. You can play. Yeah. Yeah. Play on your own. Independence. Yeah. Yeah. This is a guy who's not, right. been number one in the world. Martina, you're our resident professor here. What, what grade are you giving Carlos Alcaraz for this match? Yeah, maybe A minus, just because he wasn't perfect. The first set was a little dicey, but those next two were just walking the park. So, yeah, I think he should be pretty happy. Not, nothing, nothing stressful. Yep. And um, the tiebreak when he was under stress, and after that, easy peasy. So save the energy for later. Perfect. By the way, I do want to mention Richard Gasquet. His streak of 956 weeks inside the yeah, top 100 great. has come to an end. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Let me put that in perspective, Martina. A thousand weeks inside the top ten. <laughs> so, there's no record you don't find Martina's name on. Not top one hundred. Top I mean, ten. There were there were fifty two weeks in a year back then. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's like twenty years. Twenty years That's inside crazy. the top ten. Like just, crazy. Yeah, we've been talking about guest guests. <laughs> <laughs>
the reason she's the ghost. <laughs> All right, more to come here on TC Lab. Uh, the mystery of the day. Did Danielle Collins ever find her way to the court? What was she looking for? We've got all the answers coming up on TC Live. Tulova, Wertheim, and Weissman back with you leading up to first ball on this Tuesday in the States, Wednesday in Melbourne. If that's not confusing enough, it is easy to get lost in the hallways underneath these stadiums and look at Danielle Collins. We saw this yesterday. A speedy Collins, by the way, trying to find her way somewhere, Lindsay. It's confusing down there under Rod Laver and between Margaret Court. There's practice courts on both sides. I think she was trying to find the court. All of a sudden, nope, you're in the wrong way. <laughs> She did eventually find her way inside 1573 Arena to play former AO champ Angie Kerber. Winner, by the way, you teased it to face Iga Sviante. And, and this was another one of those matches, Steve, that we were looking forward to. And it was all Collins in the first set. But all of a sudden in the second set, we saw glimpses of the old Kerber. She was using her forehand. She was dictating play. Not easy to do against the heaviness of the Collins shot. She was moving really well. A good sign for Kerber in the future. But interesting, early in the third set, Kerber won the first game, a really long game, and then something just clicked for Danielle, and she got back to playing the type of tennis we saw a couple of years ago that got her to the final of the Australian Open. She was crushing the ground strokes, hitting winner after winner. Kerber couldn't even react. The ball was coming at her so fast, and one of the best sets of tennis Danielle Collins has played in quite some time. This one should give her some confidence going in against Sviantec. Big win for the American. Delayed bagel to finish. 46 winners, just 13 for Kerber. Said, I was relentless about my strategy, even when it wasn't working. So, let's update the mum tracker. We started with eight mothers in the draw. Four up, four down, John. Also, can we, can we like, norm this for quality? There are, what, five former top five players in there? Uh, four and four is a, a good record. Keep an eye on that second line. Um, are we talking about former champion Wozniacki enough. Where's our dad's list? Yeah, that's exactly. right. That's a good We're point, gonna, though. We, need, we need to bring that up. And by the way, we Medvedev, still need the right. uh, best to not win a major women's side. Yeah, we've, well, right. Steve, we got like 11, yeah. 11 we got more time. days. We 11 more yeah. days. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we've got to pace ourselves. <laughs> I know we have someone we can talk to about that. Okay. Yep. You, we got a guy. Yep. Uh, Martina, Danielle Collins, 16 and 5 at the Australian <laughs> Open, far and away her best major, more than double wins there than any other Grand Slam, uh, a final, a semifinal. Why is she so good at the year's first major? Well, usually this court is faster, so her big shots pay off, and her maybe lack of mobility are not uh, are not, not not as much of an issue as on a slower court. But this court is playing slower, so she just must like it down there. You know, great weather, great food, great fans. And they liked her feistiness, so she just gets up. Maybe emotionally, she gets up for it with no pressure, and uh, and the court's been playing to her to her strengths uh, overall. Well, looking forward to that matchup against Iga Sviantec. It was a couple of years ago. Danielle beat her in the semifinals on the way to the final, but two of the last three times they've played, she's only won one game in those matches, so we shall see. Meantime, it was a great day for Jesse Pagula. Even before she took the court, Buffalo Bills won their playoff game, and then she was able to watch that and play Rebecca Marino. Martina. Yeah, the Bills won pretty easily, and so did uh, Jess Pegula. Marino, 12 winners, 30 unforced errors, but you have to give credit to Jessica Pegula, who runs a lot of balls down, doesn't give you an easy ball to hit, 
and makes you run as well. So Pegula just not making Marino look good. Converted four out of five breakpoints, really played the big points well. And uh, just solid, nothing spectacular, uh, but uh, hit some really good, good shots along the way, moving really well. And most of all, a healthy two-set win for uh, Jessica Pegula. Has made the quarterfinals here the past three years, has eyes on getting even further clean start for the American. Good day for folks up in Buffalo. Meantime on the men's side, Holger Runa, Yoshi Nishioka, both made the round of 16 last year, John. Uh, we got the new Suns Out, Guns Out sleeveless look for the Great Dane as well. Yeah, if Carlos can do it, so can the guy born the same week. Uh, but there's Nishioka. That's our guy, Steve. It's Nish time. Uh, this guy's really fun, speedster, shot maker. Look at those hands at the net. He wasn't going to beat Holgeruda. Just doesn't have the weapons, but made it a fun match. And Holgeruda, can we talk about? We sort of think of him. You know, he's a bit of a counterpuncher sometimes. And he had 71 winners yesterday in only a four-set match. Dropped a second, but then came back really strong. 17 aces. That's a big number too, especially against a guy that returns pretty well. Uh, this was all. Holger for the last hour one that comeback set in the seven six and then Cruz look here uh, 40 love losing it out with some nice touch here um, uh, Holger Runa I, I gotta say are we talking about this guy as the AC are we talking about him enough a little bit of a dip in the fall but uh, I don't know he's um, new new team new staff and uh, look good yesterday yeah Severin Luthi was in the box very vocal love to hear that one of the newest coaches for Holgaruna. Tommy Paul bringing great vibes to town. His uh, best major result was here last year, all the way to the semifinals. Starts with Gregoire Barrere. Big defense. You mentioned uh, the Bills for Jesse Pagula. Tommy Paul's beloved Eagles. Uh, out of not there. Not fair as well. Out of there. But uh, Tommy Paul, on the other hand, was spectacular yesterday. Um, just really clean tennis against a guy who didn't give him much resistance. Two, three, and three. That's a way to kick off a major campaign, especially when you are looking to defend semifinal points. He plays Jack Draper next. That could be a little tricky. Jack Draper's beaten him twice in Australia in the last 53 weeks, including uh, less than a week ago. But yesterday, all Tommy Paul, 27 winners, only 15 unforced. There's a very clean match against a guy he probably should have beat, and he did handle it. Yeah, that made it a perfect 5-0 for seated American men in Melbourne. Looking good. A lot of points to defend, but has a good attitude, loves playing in the heat. What did you think of his start? I think it was perfect. Exactly what Tommy wanted. He got through that very easily, felt good about his game, didn't expend too much energy. I think he got through exactly how he wanted. Martina has that rematch. John mentioned it with Jack Draper. They played five days ago. Tommy lost that one. How does he change the outcome in the next round? Ah, uh, well, uh Get more balls back. I don't know. I don't know why he lost that match, but uh, he'll hopefully he'll learn from it. I'm sure he'll be, his team will be studying it and try to find some ways where they, they maybe where he could have done a lot better, whether it's serving location or where he was returning from, just mixing it up, get to the net more or defend more, depending totally what happened in that first match. You can make adjustments, and as a loser, you got nothing to lose, and you kind of ticked off. So you want to you want to get a, get revenge. Right. We, we were joking about it in, in the first segment. When your opponent has thrown up into a bucket uh, in his previous match, maybe you want to make it physical. Yeah. Take advantage of the best-of-five format. Tommy Paul's conditioning right. is great. He also is, you know, I'm not sure there are 10 better athletes out there. 
make it a physical match against a guy who you know from his previous round has had some trouble physically. I thought the vomit section was over. We had moved <laughs> on to it. Lindsay was like, no more vomit. in service of analysis. <laughs> you had to bring it up again. It's in service of analysis. He never listens. Right. No. no. I'm going to no. start no. moving okay. this way. <laughs> more to come here on TC Live. All the big stories, all of the highlights, match previews, plus the great Jim Courier joins the program. We're talking Taylor Fritz, Amanda Anasimova, and more. Stay with us. Welcome back. Leading up to first ball, top of the hour, start of round two at the Australian Open. And this is the time of the show. Well, we welcome in our friend, Hall of Famer, two-time Australian Open champion, Jim Courier, who is on site today. It does not look as lovely as those pictures did, Jim. Uh, a little... Come on down. A <laughs> L- little drizzly? Tell us what's going on there. Yeah, it's a big weather change. It's actually pretty fortunate for the players. Yesterday was a little bit warmer than expected, nearly 90 degrees. And some players were suffering. Jack Draper, most notably, post-match in the bin with the little uh, exit stage left of some of his food. But... Today, the weather has cooled down. It rained a lot overnight, and the temperatures are significantly lower. We're expecting the rain to clear early afternoon. So the three uh, roofed courts, they'll, they'll get play going on schedule, and then I think the outside courts will get going, and we should get a full slate of the play. It's going to be a nice day. It's going to be a lot more pleasant for the players, too, De- definitely in the 70s and uh, feeling pretty comfortable. Awesome. As long as you're dry. That's all we care about. This is Al Roker reporting. <laughs> you didn't get the memo about we're not discussing vomit anymore he, he, on he the show. That. <laughs> he wasn't uh, watching earlier. <laughs> Alexander Zverev, Jim, helped lead Germany to the United Cup earlier this month, dealing with some issues off court that we've discussed. And we'll started with a fellow German, Dominic Kepfer. Yeah, look, and he got a slow start here, but he is battle-tested. That United Cup saving the match points versus Hubert Hurkacz in the final and then coming back for the mixed doubles not only helps him mentally, but also he can trust himself physically. So there's no problems for him. The third set tiebreak, that was crunch time. He got the job done. You guys have discussed the off-court stuff. This guy seems to find the cocoon on the court. No matter what's swirling around him, he just keeps his head down and just keeps winning. He is definitely... A top player again, and he's going to be a problem for whoever he sees. And he's got a qualifier in Lucas Klein in the next round, so the draw looks pretty good for him. How about Grigor Dimitrov? He's close to return to the top 10. He's won 11 of his past 12 matches. Needed a comeback, though, in this one against Martin Fucevic. Yeah, he said after the match that, that he wasn't really uh, feeling the ball early in the match because of the heat. The ball was just flying off of his strings, but that he trusted that he'd done the work physically and he could last out there. So he grinded his way through a tough opponent, Marton Fucevic. Fucevic has had big wins in the past. He's a physical specimen who can be imposing, but you can see Fucevic was the one suffering physically out there in the heat on John Kane Arena. And Dimitrov ran him out in that third, third set tiebreak and then got a nice early break of serve, and uh, he was ready to go from there. So all in all, a good test for Dimitrov coming off of that title in Brisbane. He's confident, he's fit, he's handsome, and he's into the second round. (laughs) (laughs) No lies told. No lies told. Grigor Dimitrov moving on to the next round. Uh, Jim, earlier in the week we discussed the topic of who's the best current male player who has yet to win a major. Where would you put Grigor Dimitrov in that discussion? 
Yeah, I mean, he's certainly, I would say, in the top 10 people that, that uh, have been close to winning majors but not been able to get over the line. There, there are plenty others, uh, Zverev, among them uh, that, that haven't yet tasted that sweet fruit. But uh, I, what I love about Dimitrov is he seems to be in a very good place in his career. He's happy to be playing into his 30s. And, and he all he has to do is look around and see how well a lot of other players are playing into his 30s. The best literally could be yet to come for him. We don't know. What we do know is that Andy Murray is not playing the way he was, someone that stopped him in the past. Nadal, we don't know how much we're going to get to see him, and Federer's gone. So Djokovic is still there. Yes, there's a lot of other challenges around him, but I think, you know, glass half full, I'd be optimistic the way he's playing right now, make a deep run here. You never know what can happen. How has he, Lindsay, been able to get back to this level just on the verge of the top ten again? Yeah, it's been great to see because a lot of players – rises in their career it's not just a, a straight line to the top it's a roller coaster up and down and for some people it wears them down especially when they have high expectations put on them and certainly that was the case for Grieger being called baby fed does not help when you're first coming up on tour he was able to make a big splash then his game kind of fell off but a lot of hard work and you see him if you go around a tournament you will always see him out on the practice court hitting shots hitting serves always working on his game he has worked himself back into contention at these big tournaments and now can he come overcome the mental hurdle we'll see right. you, you know he's trying his hardest to be able to leave no stone unturned but he's got the game he's put in the work now let's see what happens hmm. Jim do you want to add something there no, I don't. I, I was just I you agreeing you with put everything. Your, you put your said. hand up, so I was like, maybe it's a Jim rare day if he agrees. No, so I was, I'm like, I was oh telling, no. I was, I was, I was trying to indicate to our producer Mark Huska to talk louder because okay. I couldn't hear over <laughs> LD. So that, that's my communication. Not yeah, working. It was live TV when you got somebody yeah. on Skype halfway across Sorry. the world. One quick thought about Grigor. Yeah. Out physicaling Futovic is something, but here is Yelena Ostapenko, fresh off of winning Adelaide, now back in the top ten. Give her a lot of credit. We talk about her a lot, and we talk about the handshakes and the antics. She's a really, really good tennis player. Showed it yesterday. A tough first set against the Aussie Burrell, and then she really was in form. Uh, against Tomjanovic, not only another Aussie in the next round, but one with whom there's a bit of history. Also, Look that up mind. on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. YouTube that one. <laughs> Ostapenko, Tomjanovic, Wimbledon. Uh, the other thing about Ostapenko, she's in Iga Svantec's quarter. She's never lost to Iga Svantec, so I'll keep an eye on Ostapenko. She sort of got the best of both worlds yesterday. A, a tough battle for one set and then just cruise control for the next four breaks of serve and uh, really a nice way to kick off her campaign. Again, coming off of that win in Adelaide heading into this tournament now in the top ten. Don't sleep on Panko. By the way, that win made Aussie wild cards. They combined 0 for 9 in this year's tournament. We'll see what happens wait, wait, in juniors. Wait. Uh, still to come, our Bet365 match preview has the odds on Layla Fernandez and Alicia Parks. It is a battle for North America. We'll discuss. Welcome back. It's your last chance. At $100,000, play Racket Bracket. Choose your round-by-round -round winners in Melbourne. Win cash prizes, including $50,000 jackpots for perfect men's or women's picks. Scan this QR code or visit tennis.com slash play to enter. Hurry, because the deadline is tonight. Behind the scenes, love to see it. The Onyx Sinner coming on site. The Karota boys are there. They've had some great interaction. They're at the practice courts, John, with them. I think this is a career grand slam for the Karota boys. I think they've been to all four now. They have, and uh, Yannick loves it. Best fans in the game, the Karota boys. What do you got here? 
What is this drill, Lindsay? I wish I knew. Okay. Jim? That's in the eyesight, no? <laughs> you see a lot of the, uh, if you ever watch Drive to Survive, you see a lot of the Formula One drivers doing this with their their guys to, to get ready for the race. It's just a reaction drill. Just kind of get, get your brain and your hands all working together for quick reflexes. I want no part of that drill, to be honest. <laughs> I've never seen it with one eye, though. But that probably was my problem. We've seen some stuff with that. As we, as we see, I'll, I'll t stay on that topic as we see Curios, who's spending more time at the courts now than he ever has because he's working for two TV networks and popping on TC Live. But but I saw Novak actually doing something with like like a, an eye patch at the United Cup in warm-ups, too. So there are all kinds of newfangled things. Listen, if you're getting paid a couple hundred thousand dollars to be the, the strength and conditioning coach, you, can, you, you better come up with something crafty for these guys and gals, right? You got to prove your worth, I think. So that, that's where the way I see it is all kinds of new ways to get ready to do the same thing. Time now for our Bet365 match preview. Layla Fernandez, Alicia Parks. Fernandez has already matched her best Australian Open result. And Parks, best slam result by reaching round two. And uh, Layla, what do you make of her odds, John? Um, I like the contrast here. Power versus defense, lefty-righty. Um, that's, that's about right. Um, Fernandez is almost 50 points higher in the rankings. Mm. Uh, more experienced player. As you say, Steve, she's only been to the second round of this event, so if she yeah. wins this match, it'll be her best uh, Aussie Open. Never played before either of these two. Uh, Jim, curious, how windy is it out there? That'll determine some in this match. Current, currently, it's not windy at all. It was a little breezier yesterday. It's, it's cooler, which means it's going to play slower today. That probably, uh, probably, you know, in theory, it should benefit Layla. She'll be able to get more balls in play. But, but you know, Layla can't finish the points as well as Alicia, too. I feel like this is a closer match, just me personally. But that's more gut than, than data-driven. Hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree. And especially, it, you know, Parks is a server. So if the conditions are a little bit more mild, easier to get free points and tosses and going all over the place. She loves the more indoor light conditions. So let's see what it's like when they take the court. But I, I'm with Jim. I think that is a little bit closer than those odds. Okay, I like that for the American. By the way, we were talking about sisters earlier with the Andreeva sisters, yeah. the Fruvertova sisters. The yeah. Fernandez sisters could be on the rise. Bianca, the younger sister to Layla, freshman at UCLA right now, just won a big tournament in Vegas, beat three top 100 players. So couple years we could see both Fernandez's if on only tour. college players could transition to the pros <laughs> oh wait more are than ever uh it's good good intel good to watch hashtag college tennis we always love to see it all right much more still to come here on TC live Alex Demonor doing the Coco golf and uh, oh look at that we got Leighton Hewitt we got the guy who was last in the top 10 it was back in uh what was it 2005 2006 Leighton was the last Aussie in the top 10 before Demonor got it done. Team Australia will preview the top matches when we come back. Don't like to see that. Rain coming down. We do have three covered arenas, so plenty of tennis will get underway today. But our resident meteorologist, Jim Currier, said uh, around 1 o'clock <laughs> local time, it's going to clear up. That's what they're saying. That's in about two hours' time, Steve. So, uh, and there, there, there's a look at a couple of the, the roofs. They've had a roof here over Flavor since 1988. So it was the first major to have a, a retractable roof stadium. Now they all do, but it's uh, it's a bonus for the fans. Record crowds continuing here, and a lot of great stuff on tap today here, Steve. Looking forward to it. All right, it's that time, John. We heard the music. Ooh, stat of the music? day. Stat of the day, not weather dependent. We can play that rain or shine. Here's one for you. Uh, we talk about Novak's success. We try to frame it in many different ways. Here's another way to do it. 
uh, the last player to beat him in Australia, Young Chun, who's still only 27 years old. He's had a heck of a time with injuries. He is now 1099. The previous player to beat Novak Djokovic, Dennis Istomin, is out of the top 1,400. You have to go back a decade to Stan Wawrinka to find a player ranked in the top 1,000 to have beaten Novak Djokovic in Australia. Just one glimpse of his dominance, and we hope we see Young Chun from South Korea back out here at some point. Oh, that's quite a stat. Yeah, you see the, the sleeve on his Novak's arm there, right? I think it was right after that loss he went and he said, he didn't call it surgery. What did he call it? Like a... Yeah, right, a pursuit. Yeah. Yeah. Intervention. Yeah. Intervention. 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 Medical intervention. Right. Exactly. Thank we, you. Uh, we, we had all his best friends were around. They had a heart-to-heart. <laughs> we think of intervention in different terms, but yeah. uh, that was, that was, that was yeah. 2008. talk much about yeah. that time and being injured yeah. and what he had to go through, but something was not perfect with Novak's arm back but, then. But there's yeah. a lesson there, right? I mean, you said it before. Yep. Careers are roller coasters. They are not straight lines. Yeah, spare a thought for Hyung Chung. Yeah. I mean, won the next-gen yeah. finals the year before that. Went, got all the way to the semifinals in Australia. I mean, it's tough. It's six years ago. Six years ago. What's our I'm shot, five. Jim? Oh, I know. This. We got a little Dimitrov and Fuchovic. You guys like slice backhands? We got slice backhands for you. A couple beauties here. Look at this one from Grigor. Tough shot, right? Oh, I see your slice and raise you one, says Fuchovic. That was magnificent. That was a hot shot. It was the highlight for Martin. Things would get worse from there, but man, that is athletic and awesome. And the 360 pirouette afterwards to admire his handiwork. Well played, sir. Still liking Sitsi Pasta's better, but that was that was nice. Wow. That's a shot of the year. year. <laughs> well, that's a big shot, though. We're, we're playing it one more time, John, it, just I mean, for you. Well, one more Grigor's, time, yeah. Grigor's I mean, shot is no joke not, either. Now, let's not get hyperbolic. This doesn't come close to Tsitsipas's, but it's still a hot shot for the day. And pretty great. Look at that. I mean, he takes it so far behind him here. It's amazing. And he's got the strength in that forearm to flick it cross court. Perfect. Gregor almost that was nice. He did almost get there. Yeah. A couple mm-hmm. athletic guys out on that court. All right. Featured matches today, beginning the second round. First up in Rod Laver. Angebur against the 16-year-old Mira Andreeva. Coco Goff in MCA playing Caroline Dalahide. We've got the Aussie, Alex Demonor, and that's going to be a good match against Matteo Arnaldi. Brenda Fruvertova, can she pull off the upset against the defending champ, Arena Sabalenka, and then Novak Djokovic against Alexi Popper. And let's start with the Who are we talking about? We're talking about Mira Andrea. We've okay. talked about Mira throughout I the show. I actually thought you were going to go Fruvertova there, so okay. Yeah. No, we're starting with Mira. Okay. okay. This is a player, I mean, we talked about her earlier in the show. Big things are coming for her. She doesn't have a top 10 win yet. Mm-hmm. Will this be your first? I don't know. Jabir and years past hasn't looked 100% down under. Last year, she was troubled by the knee injury. This year, though, in her first round, she looked pretty good, actually. So we'll see what she brings. But this is one of those matches no seeded player in the draw wants to see Andreeva near their name. Everybody knows of her potential, of her big game. They know she's going to put it together at some point at a major and make an even bigger run than she already has. I give her, I, I give her a, a, a chance. I mean, obviously, Jabir's the favorite, but it wouldn't be shocking if Andreeva were 40%, to win. 40%? Yeah, 40. 40%. It's 60-40 for Jabir. Okay. So maybe Jib can help me with some data here. Jabir is the oddsmaker's favorite to win that match, and yet Andreeva has a higher ranking with the oddsmakers for winning the whole tournament. <laughs> can someone explain that? Yes, in, in a couple of words. Two Wimbledon final performances from Jabir. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Well, what chances do you give the 16-year-old Jim of, of knocking off Angebur? I, I, w- 
I would say it's kind of 30-70 in favor of Jabur. But what I like about the teenager is there's no scar tissue. There's, there's no blockage there. It's all upside opportunity for those players. And when you're that talented, also, you, you have a, a probably an outsized belief in yourself. Uh, from my experience watching the teens come through and having been one who thought a lot of myself probably too much <laughs> as well. And, and the reality can, can bite quickly when you're playing a top player. And it can cut two ways. But... Uh, she's going to go out there and give it a run, that's for sure. And we, we all can see that she's destined for big things, that she can put all the assets together. It's going to be a fun one to watch, for sure. It always is with Thongs, there's no doubt. Always those nerves as well, playing your idol for the first time. I mean, you never know how you're going to step out onto that court. Novak Djokovic going for 30 straight wins, Jim, at the Australian Open. Can Alexi Popperin trouble him at all? Look, Popperin played great in this tournament last year. Took out Taylor Fritz with some massive serving. But there's a couple things that cut against him. One, this is Novak Djokovic. Two, you're playing at night when it's going to be even cooler, which is going to blunt some of the speed of the serve with the cooler conditions, the heavier conditions. Uh, it's going to be a very tough road, I would think, for Popperin. He's going to get huge support. And that's probably only going to make Djokovic angry and play better. <laughs> so, you know, I think we'll hear, we'll see a lot of this from Novak at point to his ear. But um, I think Novak will do far better on court tonight than he did in this <laughs> totally. little game of butts up, guys. This this was a very unathletic display from Team Djokovic, I must admit. Well, how uh, oh. We've seen this Boy. before <laughs> with, like, John Wall and what? other Look at that. Look at How Novak. does that happen? That, it, that the be Literally, I'm saying the best athlete on the planet can't throw and hit a target? Hit a target. He Not well, even close you. on those three. This, wow. this guy, if you go to that carnival and you're trying to knock the, the clown <laughs> into the water with a little target, that clown's going to have a dry day. <laughs> he was nowhere near that target. What's going Goodness on with that? He's like shanking it. Alexi Popper no hopes idea. there's a well, throwing just... component to tonight's match. <laughs> I never understand that. <laughs> you, yeah, by no, the way, no. tennis go. is like the serving motion is kind of like throwing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's uh, wow. That was oh, uh, like that was baffling, but uh, I still think that was not as bad as that was not as bad of an athletic display as the time that we had Medvedev doing mini golf at Indian Wells. And, and you go, wait, this guy is is the number three ranked tennis player in the world. <laughs> wait, Amazing what athlete. No one's ever looked. He was playing mini golf, and he looked like he couldn't put two steps together. We'll have to run that back at some point. It's out there somewhere. But, yeah. Yeah, Google, but that, we'll get that time. Was, at home. That was a, Find it on YouTube. <laughs> I'm sure we have that somewhere. Djokovic, Djokovic uh, did not make a case that he's the greatest athlete currently on planet Earth, which I would make a, a big case for, but that throwing display certainly yeah. cuts against that. Jim, we've literally <laughs> right. been talking about that for exactly. like the past few months. We're like, he's the greatest athlete on the planet. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Not, uh, he's not throwing out the first pitch <laughs> at the Dodgers game. We'll be okay. Probably not. Uh, Lindsay Coco yep. Goff, Caroline Dolahide. What yep. do you make of this one? Uh, you know, Coco's a heavy favorite. Dolahide hasn't won a Grand Slam match since 2018 when she won her first match. She's back, though, working her ranking up. She's got a big serve. She's got big weapons. But... You know, right now with Coco, that doesn't seem to bother her. She'll figure out a way to get that return and play and work the points. It, it's still a, a great tournament for Dalahide, who's pushing her way into the top 40. But I think at a major, Coco's got the experience, especially on these big show courts. Now we, we talk about all the, the ascending Americans. Dalahide is a top 50 player and could be top 40 after this event. I think this is a really tough task against Coco. They played once before Coco won a better athlete, but sort of better on just about every dimension. But uh, Dolheim, that's yeah. that, hats off to her. Yeah, I, I used to watch Caroline train in Orlando at the USTA Center in Lake Nona five, six years ago. 
and the talent's been crystal clear there. And it's great to see her finally putting it all together. She She's definitely a, a top 50 player talent-wise. Great to see that happening in real time. But this is Coco's time. Uh, it's another opportunity for us to break down the advances in Coco's game. Is that serve really going to continue to pop and be reliable? Looks like it. How's the forehand holding up? All of that. Um, and it's an opportunity also for the Aussie fans to get to go to know Coco a little bit more because now that she's a, a major champion, they're all paying a lot more attention to both her and Carlos Alcaraz, who's playing in Australia for the first time as a major champion. So uh, stars have been born. Now they're shining. And this is uh, an opportunity for um, for Coco to do that here in Melbourne Park. All right. Love to hear that, Jim. Always great yeah. to see you. Uh, stay dry the rest of the day. And, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Sure. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Have a great day. Good day. Rainy Melbourne, but uh, three covered courts, plenty of action to get to. And as Jim said, it's going to clear up later in the day. As always, we appreciate you joining us for our two-hour pregame show leading you up to first ball there in Australia. We'll be back 5 o'clock Eastern tomorrow. Plus, don't miss Brett and Jim early 7 a.m. with your encore coverage once again at 3 p.m. Eastern. For everybody here, I'm Steve Weisman. Thanks for watching TC Live. Enjoy the tennis.